I'm Lauren. And I'm Eric. Over the past year, we've connected dozens of classic She-Ra episodes to modern progressive issues. But we're not done yet. In this second season of our show, I'm no longer a newbie to Etheria. This year, we're taking a higher level view of the characters and issues that face the Princess of Power. We're as interested as ever in how those issues connect to our current political landscape. So join us as we look back to the 80s and forward to the Netflix reboot of one of our favorite cartoons. This, this is, is She-Ra, Progressive, Progressive of Power. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to She-Ra, Progressive of Power. Once again, I am Eric. And I'm Lauren. And uh, I know we're here a little earlier than we promised. We said we'd be back when the new show debuted, but there's just too much going on. We had to check in with all of you and remind you that we're still alive and excited. There's too much going on in in the She-Ra world and the ever-stressful politics world. And I think we also were excited to get back into our studio because our last episode was in a cardboard box in a bar. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have stories about that that I probably shouldn't tell on air because it's not um, it's not very professional of me. But, hey, if you listen to that one, thanks. Thanks for sticking through all the house music that you could hear in the background. Uh, we're less than a month away. Actually, when you hear this, I believe it will be three weeks away from the Netflix debut of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. We are not changing our name to She-Ra and the Progresses of Power. Lauren and I talked about it, and, uh, you know, we're just, we're not there. But. I, I'm super here for that joke, and I think we will make that joke more often than you want to hear it. But just for, like, marketing and SEO purposes, this podcast is not a Netflix reboot. It's just the same podcast. I've literally never made a joke so much that it becomes unfunny. Lauren, what's your favorite pie? (laughs) Anyway, so summer is behind us. The last time you heard from us, it was in August. Now it is October. By my math, that's two full months. It's a great month for pie, actually, if we want to just keep digging into that. Yeah, Lauren, okay, we're not here to talk about pie, okay? This... Come on. Aren't we always, though? I do love pie, though. But no, um, yeah, it's fall. It's crisp. The elections are about to happen. That's a big reason we're coming to you. And uh, about two weeks ago, we got the official trailer for She-Ra on Netflix. Yes. So when the new show actually drops, voting day will be behind us. And we really wanted to get on the mic and say, vote Come up with your voting plan. Know where you're going. Know when you're going. I'm actually moving into a new apartment in a completely different area of the city on November 2nd, actually, not even November 1st. And I have it in my mind that I basically have to go to one of those grace period sites and register on site, you know, day of. But I'm still going to make sure my vote is counted. Yeah, I just moved and uh, I got kind of fucked up by vote.org because they don't update as quickly as your state does. So you may or may not know this, and it's probably different in other states, but in Illinois, it takes some amount of time to process a change of address voting registration. So I filled one out about a week before I moved, uh, kept going to vote.org to make sure it got through. And for like the last month, they've been telling me, no, you're not registered. No, you're not registered. So finally, I was like, well, 
I either have to do something about this or I'm not going to be able to vote. So I just went to the Secretary of State website, and they had me at my new address. So even though Vote.org does great outreach, they are not the be-all and end-all. Like, definitely check with your state. Also, BallotReady.org is a great resource. It'll teach you all about the candidates you can vote vote for, not just at a national level, but in your local elections, right down to judges, which in Chicago there are some mighty unqualified judges. That's true. And one thing that I learned last election that I probably should have known sooner is that you are totally allowed to bring into the voting booth your notes or ballot-ready printout of choice. And so there are so many judges, so many things to vote for. You are absolutely permitted to bring, you know, a cheat sheet with you that reminds you who you wanted to vote for and what you wanted to say. And that made everything way more comfortable and way faster because I just had a little paper and I had to transfer all of my choices to the ballot. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, so definitely use that. But most importantly, just like make sure, yeah, you have your plan for November 6th. Um, states, Certain states have laws about your bosses have to give you X time off. Um, if you're lucky enough to have like an office job or something, probably someone will understand if you come in a little late. My friend Dwight, who's a first-time voter, just asked me uh, – how long it takes because he was worried that he wouldn't have time after work if the line was long, which is a great point that if you're in line before the polls close, they have to let you vote. As long as you're in line, you'll be fine. Ooh, that rhymed. I hate it. Did you Wait, you just came up with that? That's not like a slogan? Yeah, it was an accident. No, that's good. That's, they should mark it with that. <laughs> For the line. Can we should we bring it down before we bring it back up with Shira and talk like how do you think this election's going to go? Oh gosh. Um I do think I do think there's going to be a democratic surge and I don't think it's going to be as large as we dream of. So I know that's sort of a a really middling answer, but that is my truth. It seems like just today I've started to see some articles that maybe even the house isn't as sure of a thing as we thought. But yeah, I'm prepared for the Senate to either stay the same or backslide into red. I hope the House flips. I agree with Lauren that even if it does, it won't be as large as what we think. But I would, I am stealing myself for a lot of disappointment on the night of the 6th. But that's all the more reason why everyone should go out and vote. Don't feel hopeless. Like, do your duty. And the more people feel that way, the better things get. Yeah, millennials, I think at this point, are the largest potential voting population in America. And if we all stay optimistic and we stay active, we can see the change that we want to occur. I think it's easy to be pessimistic because the people in our nation that still have the power and we still see on television every day are, frankly, a bunch of old conservative white guys. And we can't get them out by staying at home. The thing that makes me a little bit downtrodden, and I, you did say we're bringing it down, so I'm leaning into it, is that I, I was just talking to my parents earlier this week, and I find so much of what has happened in the, the Trump era so irreversibly just like reprehensible that I'm not even in a place right now where I can say well, let's all be civil or like, let's all put politics aside and still be friends. I really can't 
imagine having a civil conversation with someone who looks at like immigrant children being held at the border and goes, yeah, but, you know, it's not that big a deal. Uh, (laughs) I still think we should be able to just all go to a restaurant together and act like it's not happening and just be friends. That that part of me doesn't exist anymore. I'm so disgusted by the, the, the human rights that are being taken away from people that I don't have room for make sure you stay civil conversation anymore. And so after an election, no matter how many Democratic wins we get, the fact that there still will be a great deal of Republican support for putting children in cages and raising the deficit to benefit corporations that that's never let the money trickle down. Like, I'm just so baffled that these people can still exist. I don't know how I'm going to regulate myself. <laughs> well, I think that actually provides a great transition point because uh, we have both watched the trailer for DreamWorks She-Ra I don't know, a dozen or so times? Yeah, even just before this, just before we started recording, I was like, wait, again, and turned it on. Yeah, and it seems to me like the emphasis of this show is really going to be on Adora's journey, not just in leaving the Horde, but in the fact that she has relationships still with the Horde after she leaves, specifically Catra. Like, it really feels like the Adora-Catra friendship will probably be the driving uh, emotional dynamic in this show. And I, I really like that. That feels really timely. It does. I am probably going to Tennessee to see my family this Christmas and my relationship trying to say, I really still got to get to Tennessee, though. I still really have to make that happen. I, I really felt it pull at my heartstrings seeing Adora take Catra by the hand and just be like, The Horde has been lying to us. Come with me. What are you doing? Um, I can't wait to watch that relationship. It reminds me of the stuff your friend Jeffrey talked about on our episode uh, earlier this or in the last season about like the reluctant wizard and the caregiver kind of uh, giving people space to change when the stakes are so dire. And I I have to imagine that there's people a lot younger than us, probably in Shira's target demographic, who are trying to cope with you know, people in their family or their close friends who are supporting all of these things that are denying basic humanity of other people. Um, And what does that look like? So I'm really, I'm excited to see that, you know, in a way that I think the 80s Shira, the driving emotional dynamic was a woman trying to find her family. Uh, In this one, it seems to be much more about uh, her building a community out of this wreckage, and I'm really excited to see that happen. Katra, what are you doing here? Come on, let's go home already. I'm not going home. The Horde is evil. They've been lying to us. You have to help me. What happened to you? I'm sorry, Katra. She's just like every other princess. All sparkle, no substance. One of the other important things about the Katra relationship that I wanted to point out from that trailer is that... It sounds like, and I might just be making this up, but it sounds like Adora was going to get a promotion, leaves, and I think the promotion goes to Katra. I think that's confirmed in some of the um, interviews and stuff, too. Yeah, that Hordak actually prefers Adora, but then she leaves, and Katra's kind of just, like, there to receive this promotion to Force Captain. Right. 
And so what's important to remember in this cartoon and in real life is people making choices we don't necessarily agree with. There's a reason they're doing it. Something about their choices is making them feel rewarded. And Katra staying loyal to the Horde gets gets rewarded. She gets the promotion. She gets the accolades. And so that is certainly going to be all sorts of confirmation bias to her that she's still on the right path herself. At just a high-level reaction, like, gosh, I really loved that trailer. It made me very happy. How about you? Yeah, I'm so excited to see this show. I feel like we got really far into this episode without just saying, heck, I'm so thrilled. Um, I think we predicted a lot of the stuff that we were going to see. You did, certainly. I did. Although there was one major thing we were wrong about. Mm. Uh, Do you remember when we were like, oh, well, Frosta presents as a more experienced, like, sexually realized character. I bet they'll make her the sultry one. No, Frosta's like eight. She's like (laughs) the child of the show. So (laughs) I feel like... (laughs) I don't think any of them were particularly sultry, and I'm okay with that. I I am definitely here for Angela's look. She reminded me... There's there's a very specific just uh, era of anime that sort of the early Daft Punk animations came from, uh, like old Voltron, Queen Emeraldus, that that early, early anime, her face structure and her hair sort of remind me of that. And it's very interesting that animation generations are even sort of captured in this show. So she's the closest we have to like an adult looking character. She's my favorite. And I like that because something we talked about is in the Filmation series, Glimmer and Angela were designed to look roughly the same age. In this version, Angela is clearly um, an older figure. Not old, but, you know, has experience on Glimmer. She's not a teenager with a crown. I'm definitely excited about what appears to be a much more linear narrative format. And I think Netflix really uh, is a good choice for releasing something like that. I mean, we live in an era right now where Netflix shows you a season of something all at once. And so if one narrative episode ends on a cliffhanger, you don't have to wait. Yeah, you just can just watch another one. I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like the anticipation and the waiting for a week to find out what happens, there's something really special in a bygone era about that. But because it's linear and because it's narrative, there are so many plot holes or just things that weren't important in the original show that I think are getting an explanation this time. Two examples. One all of the princesses and all of the royalty that exist in this universe seem to be a lot more grounded in lore. We have a previous princess alliance and maybe even a previous She-Ra who uh, fell apart and now Glimmer wants to bring back the princess alliance and wants all of these women with their different powers and I I am assuming their different geographical areas, areas to come together and that's that's something that's going to take several episodes, and it also gives a reason for all of these princesses to exist. It almost feels like Korra-esque, right? There's clearly like a water kingdom, an ice kingdom, 
Yeah, yeah, like geography plays a, a role. And it was implied in the original series, but... Right, and we just never got to see that. All, there's a lot of stuff that was implied, but the sort of monster of the day, moral of the day format never lets it get really dug into. And I'm such a continuity and lore junkie. I'm really excited about that. The other one is that I don't think the Horde is 100% in power in this version. There's a line in the trailer... Catra says, you know, we're going to see what's outside of the Fright Zone, we're going to see the world, and we're going to conquer it, meaning they haven't conquered the world yet. I wonder what's even outside the Fright Zone. We're going to see the world and conquer it. Uh, Side note, I think that uh, our buddy Tim was probably right on as far as what characters are open to use, because if you notice, we don't see any Masters of the Universe characters except for Hordak. It seems like He-Man is going to be Persona Non Grata, like... They obviously have to explain what Grayskull is at some point, but it seems like the voice coming out of the sword in the teaser is Angela's, right? Or or Light Hopes, if not Angela's. Yeah, um, I'm going back and forth on that. Light Hope is still a contender because we still say for the honor of Grayskull, and so I feel like there's got to be some root magic or root power or root location that She-Ra pulls her her energy from and right. the sword comes from that we don't really know about yet. So Light Hope or some, some Light Hope analog might still be out there. And then there's a couple of the Horde characters look kind of sort of like characters we know. Like there's a lizard guy who is like a younger looking leech, but I doubt he's leech. And there's like generic horde troopers that almost look like the robot horde troopers, but not enough to like maybe make copyright holders raise their eyebrows. So I thought that was really interesting. This really seems like a show that outside of whatever Grayskull is will stand on its own. And Lauren had a really cool point that what if, uh, what if somehow this ends up being an inversion of the original He-Man She-Ra story where we have like this very woke rebel warrior coming to, um, wake up her brother who maybe is so privileged that he doesn't even like care about fighting Skeletor in his world. I doubt that's the way it's going, but like starting with She-Ra does leave that open as a possibility. Well, you said it was confirmed maybe at the panel that Bo and Glimmer are going to be the ones who really turn turn Adora around, right? Right, yes. So there's no there's no uh, boy coming from another world. It seems like, yeah, this is a much more internal journey, which I like, but it also seems like it's not a, a binary switch, right? Hence the Catra thing. Like, it's not I'm brainwashed and then I'm good. It's like I'm doing this because it seems like the right thing, and now I'm learning that it's not, but there's parts of me that's still connected to it. And again, there were hints of that in the old series. I think we watched The Caregiver, right? But that wasn't as much... Like, that was just an old lady who also clearly was, like, done with the Horde. It seems like there's going to be much more of a push and pull in Adora here where she has real ties to people who are still in the organization. Yeah. To to bring it over to politics for a second, earlier just in this conversation, you were mentioning that you think, and you're absolutely correct, there are definitely young people, even people too young to vote right now, watching the decisions being made by their parents and their parents' parents and and deciding how they're going to be in the future. And that, you know, 
includes gun control. That includes a lot of things. But one of the big ones that we just went through was Brett Kavanaugh. And, you know, I have some very uh, personally relevant trauma related to sexual harassment and not being believed and being ganged up on. And I can only imagine what a, a teenager in high school, for example, is experiencing being shown that if you share that story, the way you're going to be grilled, the way you're going to be uh, isolated, the way you're not going to be able to change what's happening around you. I really can't stop thinking about that while watching this She-Ra trailer because what a terrible struggle it must be to be like an Adora and to see your friends who mean the world to you telling you point blank, like, it doesn't matter what you've seen out there in the world. It doesn't matter how your perspective has grown or changed. We don't believe you, and we're going to continue operating the way we were operating before. My God, like, what an important thing to show kids right now in 2018. Your army is called the evil horde. Who calls us that? Everybody. One thing uh, I don't I don't remember if we predicted this, but we did say it would be a good idea is no secret identity. You predicted that, Lauren. That was one of yours. Tight. I'm awesome. <laughs> yeah, you got a lot of these right. That yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like that's one of the biggest problems with Secret of the Sword, especially when it comes to Prince Adam. Like I, even as a kid, I'm like, how does this guy show up? And then, weirdly, the same day, He-Man shows up. And then Prince Adam leaves and also He-Man leaves. And no one's ever like, oh, that's weird that they come and go at the same time. Like, it doesn't make any sense at all. Well, we're, we're really making the same point over and over here. But I have to say, again, it just raises the emotional drama and the emotional stakes that when She-Ra shows up, Catra knows exactly who that is. And Hordak knows exactly who that is. It's not some mystery woman <laughs> mucking up their plans. It is their lost general. It's so much more resonant. Yeah, as fun as it was in the original pilot for Hordak to be like, who is that woman? Like, yeah, it, it lasts for about one episode. And then you're like, guys, how dumb are you? <laughs> like, the evidence is right here. Swiftwind doesn't have a secret identity either. I guess that just means he has wings all the time now. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Keep them. You deserve them, buddy. Speaking of cute, Imp is around. Imp is around looking like a human baby. This is a much creepier Imp than uh, I I was ready for. Agree. It's <laughs> like empty baby eyes. And some other surprises. Seahawk is around, Lauren's favorite. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so I guess we should talk about um, our favorite character. Shadow Weaver. Yeah, love Shadow Weaver's voice. I think um, Eric is more here for the character design than I am. It's true. But we agree that the mask is a really cool idea. I don't super love how it looks, but I love what it implies because her whole story is that her obsession with power and getting it quickly and sort of dodging the work and dodging the rules uh, mutated her. And the mask and her sort of blue ears, I think, tells a great story that something behind that mask is horrific and tragic. 
And I, I hope they get to that episode this season. And if not, next season. I just want to see it. They, they built the story in the character design. I do agree with you, though. Like, I like the design, but it's predicated on the fact that they do an episode explaining why there's a mask. Because, yeah, I feel like the mask is such a strong character choice. And if there's no way that it's possible that they ignore it. But if that was the case, I would be real bummed. Uh, but it seems like, yeah, there's going to be a very good reason why that's there. Boy, I'm really excited for this show. I mean, there is a certain level of uh, self-satisfaction that comes from watching that trailer and hearing these interviews. Such a massive point of this podcast is that these messages of social justice and inclusivity have always been there. And our, our few interactions with the creators of this show, some fan messages we've gotten, including a really nice one from New York Comic Con, they all just really back up that this is going in the direction that we were so hoping it would. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Ryan Ferguson, whose Instagram post, uh, where he very kindly tagged Lauren and I, uh, it made me a little misty. And uh, we're going to try real hard to get Ryan on the show, either through Skype or if he really wants to come out to Chicago for a weekend, uh, we can we can show him around. But yeah, um, what a very thoughtful thing to say. I won't tell you his story because it's his story to tell. But boy, that was very moving. Yeah, there's. I mean, again, I've been waiting in and out in the human.org message boards, and often they're just a little too toxic for me. Um, people who not only refuse to recognize or refuse to accept progressive messaging in their shows, but the fact that She-Ra's always been this way and that people in the 80s, and I contend still that even if the 80s show came out exactly as it was today, people would say it was um, SJW propaganda. But especially given the time, how progressive it was, I don't know. The But the potential audience for the reboot is so much higher than the, percent of people who remember Shira from their childhood. So I'm not too worried about He-Man.org. We uh, will get into this later, but Eric and I were planning what this upcoming season of the show is going to look like. And we're going to try really hard to get some young, as in child voices onto the show to tell us what they think. Because one of my gauges that I kept trying to look at the 80s Shira with or the lens I was trying to see it through was that it was for kids and this as much as we're going to love it and as much as we're going to geek out and have adults talking about it this is also for kids yes <laughs> and that makes me feel just a little bit weird that I'm as a 34 year old man I'm like okay how can I make sure I'm not working the day that this drops yeah so we're both gonna try to get all. the day off work are you buying any of the, the the new toys I did not buy the super seven toys I think they're beautiful and like I have nothing but respect and love for Super 7. What I don't necessarily have is $50 for that two-pack right now. That's fair. That's fair. I uh, I want to see what else they come out with. I might circle back and get them, but I get the feeling I'm going to I'm gonna pick like one cool thing to buy, you know? I suspect there'll be some kind of mass market effort through Mattel, and I'm guessing that whatever form Shadow Weaver takes in that effort, I will buy. And yeah, I think there will be comics eventually. I mean, it, it all it all is a bit up in the air based on how popular the show is, but I'm very hopeful for a long reign. 
The Rebellion accepts your allegiance, Shira, Princess of Power. That's the coolest name I've ever heard. I think that's a good note to end the episode on. Please remember to vote. And um, we're, we'll be back. We don't have... We mapped out season three of our show, but we're not going to tell you everything we did because there has to be some suspense to keep things interesting. And, you know, we don't know that we can get all the guests we said we wanted to get yet. But episode one will feature Michael Keaton and Bill Clinton, which is crazy. Wow. We've Uh, really grown. (laughs) Yeah. Well, does anyone want to talk to them? I don't know. Um, But we're going to we'll start the season with some kind of. We'll do a couple things on the premiere, and then we're going to go episode by episode. So even though we'll both be binging at day one, um, you'll still get the in-depth analysis you love from our show uh, with guests who are tied into these very kind of deep issues. Obviously, no one knows yet how directly certain issues will be addressed, but it's pretty clear from the promotional material that there's definitely some progressive meat on these bones. We absolutely recognize that Everyone's going to be watching this show in like one to three sittings, and we're going to be talking about it for several months. So we're hoping through a combination of interesting guests and political news that is timely and relevant, and also just terrible, terrible jokes that you'll still want to come and hang out with us for weeks and weeks to come to talk about our favorite show. Yeah, uh, hit us up on Facebook if there's anything particular you want to hear about. Or, like, honestly, we got some really great guests by people suggesting people that they know with certain expertises. So if you feel strongly about someone you're connected to or you think they could speak to some issues that we might care about, hit us up on Facebook. Uh, Lauren's on Twitter. I am not. What else? Oh, yeah, and um, vote, vote, vote. We have no idea what kind of world we're going to come back to on um November 17th, but hopefully it is not terrible. We'll see you. Well, we won't see you, but you'll hear us next time. You'll see us. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Shira, Progressive of Power. If you like our show, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We super appreciate it. You can also send in any feedback you have to our email address, progressiveofpower at gmail.com, or to our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash progressiveofpower. For the-